Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join us as we get to the point. It's good to be up here with you today. Um, such an honor to be in the pulpit. I'm sharing the Word with you. And we're doing this as we wrap up the Advent season. And usually when I'm up here, I'm in front of a room full of teenagers. And if you're a parent of one of those teenagers, I just want to brag on those guys and girls for a second. They come in week in, week out. They're just eager to learn. They're eager to dig into the Word. They're eager to engage. And if you're one of their parents, I just want you to know how proud of I am of them. And you should be proud of them too. So today I'm counting on you guys to pay as good of attention as they do. So, just saying, you got, a, you got a high bar. But I hope that you all had a great Christmas that was filled with those you love and good food. I know I had some good food. So if you watched a few Wednesday nights ago when we had Midpoint online, um, you probably heard me talk about my Nana's chocolate gravy. Now, let me just tell you, if you've never had chocolate gravy, it will change your life. Don't knock it till you try it, Pastor Josh. I'm looking at you. You knocked it a little bit. I've got some for you to try, so don't worry. So he wasn't, so, he wasn't sure about it at all. But the bottom line is that we all have things that we think of during the Christmas season. Maybe it's a tradition like putting up a tree and decorating it with your family. Maybe yours is like mine, some really good food. Maybe yours isn't so joyful. Maybe you've lost a loved one close to the holidays and Christmas just isn't the same anymore without them here. It's just not. But whatever it is, though, we can't lose focus of the true meaning of Christmas, the reason that we celebrate. And during this season, we've talked about the Advent or the first coming of Christ and the hope, the love, the joy, and the peace that's found during this time when we celebrate Christmas. But today we're going to look ahead a little bit to the second coming of Christ. And we'll be in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you don't, you can use your phone, you can use a tablet like I'm doing. Or if you're using the Bible underneath your seat, it's going to be on page 987. So would you stand with me as we read the word of the Lord? Starting in verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that today as we dig into your word, that we would see something fresh, we would see something new. Lord, I pray for those that are here that don't know you. Lord, I pray that today you would tug on their hearts. 
Lord, today I pray that they would hear something that would make them see how great you are. Lord, I pray for the Christians that are struggling during this season. Maybe they've lost a loved one during the holidays. Maybe their Christmas just wasn't the same this year without the one that they've lost. Lord, I pray that you would let them know that you're near to them, that you would comfort them, let, you, let them know that you're still in control. Lord, I pray today that you would help me to get out of the way. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Lord, take away all the silly things that Nathan says, Lord, but let them see Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we pray these things in your beautiful name. Amen. You can be seated. So, there are certain things that can make me cry at the drop of a hat. And if you know me, you know that that's the case. So, whether it be a Pixar movie, a Coke commercial, the last episode of The Office, some things just make me emotional, okay? But some things that really get me emotional are some videos on Facebook. Who's with me? Anybody? Okay. So, there, there are certain videos, like a baby that gets ocular implants that wasn't able to hear before, and they finally hear the sound of their parents' voice. Instant tears. I just break down. It's one of the sweetest things ever, guys. Then there are happy tears. Maybe a dog goes into the living room, tears up a couch, or goes into a bathroom, rips all the toilet paper off, and then their owner comes in. You know the videos. The owner comes in, they're like, hey, did you do this? And they're just sitting there like, Ooh. So, and they give them that look that a toddler gives their parent when they know that they're in trouble. They're like, no, I didn't do this. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> so you guys know the videos I'm talking about. But then there are the videos of fathers and mothers coming home from war. And they're surprising their families. There's one where there's a dad dressed up as a mascot, and they take off the helmet, and they see who it is, and they just go run and give him a bear hug. Then there's another where a brother photobombs his sister's picture, and she sees the picture, and she goes and she hugs him. She wraps him up. Now, these videos, they provide a variety of tears. Happy tears. Heartwarming tears. Tears because the people in the video are crying. But there's one thing in common with all the videos like that. Those people are longing to see the people that they love. They're anticipating that arrival. They don't know when it's going to be or exactly how it's going to happen, but they're looking forward to that day and they rejoice when it finally comes. So today as we look forward to the return of Christ, I want to first ask the question, are you ready? Are you looking forward with anticipation to the second coming? Now this really isn't one of my points today, but I have to ask you, are you ready? Do you know Jesus today? Have you put your trust in him as your Savior and your Lord? Do you have that personal relationship with him? If not, I pray that you consider doing that as we look at three things today. That should be great news to us. It should be good news to us as we look forward to Christ come again. So the first thing is this. The second coming gives hope to a hopeless world. Now, 2020, it's been straight up trash. I'm not even gonna try to sugarcoat it. Plans have been made, canceled, rescheduled, recanceled. You can pretty much say those words in any order, and it's about like making plans in 2020. So we were locked up in our house for half the year. 
We couldn't visit loved ones who were sick. We couldn't do simple things that we once took for granted. We had a hurricane. There were murder hornets, Josh. (laughs) But the point that I'm trying to make here today is that this world has felt pretty hopeless lately. David Platt said this about times that feel like that. Our God has a track record of taking the darkest days and shining light in the brightest ways. He takes the most hopeless situations and he totally transforms them by his grace into the most hopeful situations. Isn't that good right there? One of those hopeless situations is losing a loved one. In fact, it's probably one of the most hopeless times that we can have as humans in this fallen world. So Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians here, he's maybe putting to rest some of the uncertainness or some of the doubts that they have about something that they don't understand completely. Some of them, them, they thought that Paul had said that all who believe would see the perusia. Now, the perusia is just a Greek word that means the second coming. It literally means being present. So, keep that in mind, the being present part. They saw that some believers had died, and they were wondering that maybe if those who had passed away would be at a disadvantage when the Lord finally did return. So Paul here, he did what any good teacher would do, and he clarified a few things for the people. I mean, we can look back now at the Thessalonians, and we can say, man, they were just, they may have just been dumb. They may not have just known what was going on, but I feel like we would have been in the same shoes there. Paul explains this so well here. He refers to the ones who have died as those who have fallen asleep. And let's face it, guys. Death, it's a scary thing to talk about. It's ugly. It strips us from those we love. It's not a good thing. But Paul here is saying that we have an awakener. The same one that we see in John 11 with the story of Lazarus. You see, Lazarus was dead. Like, dead, dead. And he had been for a few days. But Jesus said this in John 11, 11. Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awake him. So what did Jesus do? He went to the tomb where Lazarus was buried, and he raised him from the dead. And then back in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, when Paul refers to them being asleep, it's a thing of the present, not a thing of the past. Paul Washer said it like this, that the way that Paul was describing it here is more like a mother rocking her baby to sleep. So another way of saying this would be those that are asleep in Christ. This also points to, at some point, a future awakening. That's the hope that's talked about here in verses 13 and 14. The scriptures here, they tell us that we're not to grieve as others do who have no hope. Because we believe in Jesus, because we believe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, God will bring to himself those who believe. In verse 15, it shows us that there's no advantage or no disadvantage to those who have already passed. God's children are God's children. There's nothing that can take us from his hand. There's nothing that will be able to separate us from him. We'll be united with Christ when that day comes. And all things, all things will be made new. We can have some hope in that knowledge today, can't we? That'll make a Baptist shout. So, I want you to see this. The second coming, it gives hope to a hopeless world. The next thing I want us to see today is this. 
the second coming, it shows the power and the majesty of the Lord. And I want us to read these verses again before we dig into them. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. So when Jesus comes back, everybody's going to know. People try and speculate about when it's going to be, but at the end of the day, all that matters is that he's coming back for his people. And all the powers of hell, all those who are against him won't be able to do a thing to stop him. I heard somebody say once that trying to stop Christ from coming back was like a worm trying to dig through marble. It's not going to happen. When Christ came to this earth the first time, he didn't come as the people expected. He came as a baby. He came as one who was born in a stable. The people, they were looking for a king that was going to save them from political powers. That's why some of them, they couldn't understand the greatness of Jesus when he came the first time. But the same is true for people today. Sometimes we become so blinded by the teachings of this world that they can't see or maybe they just don't want to see the beauty and the grace that Jesus has. So throughout Scripture, usually, when God wanted to send a message, he would do so by sending an angel. We see that all throughout the Bible. But when the time comes for Jesus to come back, it's not going to be an angel. It's going to be the Lord himself. He'll be descending from the clouds, and usually when we see the word Lord in the New Testament, about 99% of the time it's talking about Jesus himself. So here we can be assured that our Savior, our Redeemer, the King of kings and the Lord of lords himself will come and take his people into his presence. He's going to come with the shout of an archangel and the sound of a trumpet. It's going to be a grand entrance, y'all. It's going to be the entrance of a king. The entrance of the one who's defeated sin and death. The one who's paved the way for you and for me to be forever in his presence. And if this doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what's going to, guys. I really don't. The king is coming. The king is coming. And in the end, if you're a believer, that's all that matters. We can argue about different end-time prophecies and what brand of trumpet will be used on that day all day long. But all that really matters is that Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns, and he's coming back to get his people to spend eternity with him. That's enough. That right there is enough. Jesus is enough. The end goal for a Christian isn't to go to heaven and bass fish for eternity. We should long to be in the presence of the Lord because he alone is worthy. He alone provides the hope that we talked about a little bit earlier. He's always provided for his people, and he always will. Think about the children of Israel, Moses, and they were singing a song of praise to the Lord about his strength, his power, and his majesty. One of my favorite lines in that is this. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. 
You see, Pharaoh and his men, they were hot on the trail of the children of Israel. But God provided a way. God opened up the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry land. But when Pharaoh and his army tried to come, they were swallowed up by the waves. You see, God was in control, and God is still in control. And back in uh, 1 Thessalonians here, Paul is comforting and reassuring the people when he says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Then the other believers will join them and will be called up into the air. See, God's still in the business of taking care of his people. And the second coming, it shows us the power and the majesty of Jesus. The last thing I want you to see today is this. I told y'all it was going to be quick. The second coming provides encouragement for a discouraged soul. Paul's main goal in writing to these people was to encourage them. It wasn't to predict the future or something like that. It was to comfort a grieving people who were concerned for those who had gone on before them. It was so that they could see the hope that they themselves have in the one who is full of power and majesty. Many people have gone to this text and they've used it as one of anger, one of threat, and not one of hope. They say, oh, you're going to end up like the Left Behind books or something like that. When really it's all about hope. This passage is about hope, and if we're believers, we should have hope in this passage. Paul wanted the reader to know that they, they don't have to grieve like the people who have no hope. He wanted them to encourage one another with the truth that's found in the words that he wrote to them. I mean, it says it right there, therefore encourage one another with these words. So I asked the question earlier, are you ready? If you are, awesome. I'm glad, I am so glad that you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. But I have another question for you today. Are the people that you love ready? Those who don't know Christ, the ones that Paul said have no hope, I just, I just can't imagine the pain that comes with that. Whether it be losing someone and not having that hope of seeing them again or not knowing where you yourself will be after you die. I have to ask, are we sharing that hope with people that we come in contact with? Are we telling people about the saving grace of Jesus? Are we telling people about the one who can transform lives, the one who can make the ugliest and the vilest sinner righteous in the eyes of the Father? Are we telling people? We talked earlier about this world being pretty hopeless lately, and it has been. And apart from Christ, we can have no true hope. We can't. So parents, are you telling your kids about the hope that they can have in Christ? Students, are you, are you telling your classmates about Jesus? Do we share Christ in our workplaces? I'm so thankful for my parents. My grandparents, who made sure that my sister and myself knew about Jesus. When I was about eight years old or so, I went to an Alabama Baptist Royal Ambassador camp. Um, they called it Aladdin Dad Camp because we went with our dads. Um, and sorry, if you're in the student ministry, you've heard this before. But my dad, he took me to that camp. And on the last night of that camp, they have this thing called a crosswalk. Where me and all my buddies, we took this cross, we carried it up a hill, and at the top of the hill, they had somebody portraying Jesus. And they nailed him to the cross. 
they hung him up there. And that's when I realized Jesus died for me. I was only eight. I hadn't killed anybody or anything, but I felt the weight of my sin in that moment. I did. And that, that night was when I was saved. We had some time afterwards um, with our dads, and that's when my dad led me to the Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you. Then I remember the day that I found out my sister had been saved. And the joy that came with that. Knowing that we would be in heaven together forever. Found such joy in that. And I get it, y'all. Sharing your faith is hard sometimes. It can be intimidating. It can be a scary thing to do. We may not know exactly the right thing to say. But at the end of the day, that's okay. It's not our job to save people. Praise the Lord. We can't even save ourselves. We're just called to share the good news of Jesus with a lost and dying world. And God, he'll, he'll take our words, whatever they may be, and he'll take care of the rest. So if you're here today, if you're saying, Nathan, I don't know that if Jesus came back today, whether or not I'd be ready. I don't have that hope that we've looked at today. At the end of the service, Pastor Josh and myself will be down here. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. And I have a little story as we close today. Somebody one time asked John Wesley what he would do differently if Jesus was coming back today. He said, well, I'd get up. Um, I had some, I'd have some breakfast. Then I'd go preach on the streets like I usually do. Then I'd come back home, have some lunch. I'd take a nap. You know, then I'd go back out and I'd keep doing what I usually do. So the point that he was trying to make here, Wesley's point was that we should live every single day as if the Lord is coming back. I don't mean stand outside with your Ray-Bans on, look at the sun, and wait for a trumpet to sound. No, that's, what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. John Wesley, he was careful to treat each day like the Lord was coming back. So, are you? And I have to ask myself that same question. Am I? Many days I fall short. You can ask anybody that knows me. But, yeah, we fall short. We're humans. We do that. But whatever it is that God has given us to do, whether you be a student studying or being in an office from nine to five, whether you're building things, whatever it is, do it for the glory of the Lord and point others to him in the process. See, God's in the big things, but God's also in the small and the mundane. The world today teaches us that there's pretty much no hope. The world today tells us, oh, God's not real. Why are you wasting your time with that? There are plenty of other things that can bring you hope and joy and all of that. The world can also be a discouraging place to be. So I want you to be encouraged by what you've heard today. I want you to know that the second coming, it gives us hope in a hopeless world. It shows us the power and the majesty of the Lord. And finally... As we've just seen, it provides encouragement to a discouraged soul. Will you pray with me?
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that it provides. Lord, I pray for those that are here today. Lord, if someone does not know you, I pray that they would come to know you today. Lord, that they would experience that hope that we have through you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you do for us. Lord, I pray these things in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church, or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.